Welcome to the International Brotherhood of Freemasons podcast, a Masonic podcast that brings you education pieces from a wide array of authors throughout the English, Spanish, and French-speaking regions of the world. International Brotherhood of Freemasons, in no way, reflects the views of any Masonic Lodge or Grand Lodge and is the sole opinion of the person expressing it. And now, your host, Brother Paul Haynes. Welcome to this month's episode of International Brotherhood of Freemasons podcast. This uh, next piece that we have comes from the website www.grandlodge.co.za. It's a very interesting, very colorful piece, and it talks about the founding and history of the Grand Lodge of South Africa. The history of the Grand Lodge of South Africa. In the beginning, the southern point of Africa, the Cape of Good Hope, was opened up by the Dutch East India Company as a trading station to supply ships on the route to the East Indies with fresh produce. Freemasonry in the Netherlands, founded in 1756, was expanding rapidly, and with many masters of ships being Freemasons, it was natural for a lodge to be founded at this halfway station under the banner of the Grand East of Netherlands. The eyes of the Grand East of Netherlands were focused on the Cape as early as 1764, and in 1771, Brother Abraham van der Weijs, the captain of a sailing vessel plying between Holland and the East Indies, was appointed Deputy Grand Master abroad, with the necessary authority to found lodges subject to subsequent ratification by Grand Lodge. He arrived at the Cape on the 24th of April, 1772, and called a meeting of brethren, to which ten brethren responded under, under his chairmanship. Ten days later, he issued a warrant for the founding of Lodge du Good Hoop, or Lodge of Good Hope, as Lodge Number 12 on the register of the GEN, which was ratified on the 1st of September, 1772. Social and Religious Equality For its existence, the Lodge depended on visitors, and while conferring several degrees, it failed to attract the local residents as members, mainly because of the rigid social and religious attitudes of the confined Cape Society, which consisted primarily of two broad classes, the company official and free burger. Due to rigid company policy, company servants were not permitted to trade or own land until they were released from their contracts, after which they were allowed to settle in the Cape and become free burgers. The Masonic philosophy of equality in the Lodge violated the structure in the Cape where difference in rank between company officials and free burgers was practiced. Religious interference was also widespread. As a result, the Lodge went into recess in April of 1781 to be reopened again in 1794 as more prominent persons of the company were attracted, such as Johannes Andreas Truder, who would later become Chief Justice of the Cape. This offered some protection from the company and the pulpit, where previous members were of a transient nature. More and more initiates were locally born and primarily resident in the Cape, which offered stability. 
Since its revival in 1794, Lodge de Goodhoop has remained active and is Lodge number one on the register of the Grand Lodge of South Africa. It has been instrumental in the establishment of lodges under the jurisdiction of other Grand Lodges in South Africa. English, Scottish, and Irish Constitution Lodges are formed. However, the influx of English-speaking members into the Lodge brought tension in the inevitable split when English-speaking members broke away in 1811 to form the first English Lodge at the Cape, British Lodge. This was the first permanent Masonic involvement in a territory by the United Grand Lodge of England. Political circumstances caused the great trek when thousands of burghers moved north and together with the general economic circumstances had an adverse effect on Freemasonry. Relative prosperity in the 1850s in the Cape resulted in the influx of English settlers. Development of the eastern coast and the natal colony and a revitalized craft. English Freemasonry spread to the eastern parts and Dutch Freemasonry moved into the hinterland as far as the newly formed republics of the Orange Free State and Transvaal. Here again, the use of English in the Dutch lodges created problems and resulted in the formation in 1860 of the first lodge under the Scottish Constitution, Lodge Southern Cross. The first lodge under the Irish Constitution, Lodge Abercorn, was formed in 1896. There were now four constitutions at labor in South Africa. Proposals to form a United Grand Lodge. As early as 1875, there were calls for a United Grand Lodge to be formed, where all Masons would be able to find a home. Again, in 1892, there was a similar move, but when 500 Masons gathered in Kimberley for that purpose, the proposal to form a United Grand Lodge was defeated by a small majority. Similar initiatives were started again later, but all to no avail. It must be said that the four constitutions worked together in great harmony, and many Masons held cross membership. Some temples were even jointly owned by lodges of different constitutions, while many benevolent funds were jointly run. Some lodges of the Irish in Scottish constitution even formed lodges working in Afrikaans. The situation understandably deteriorated during the Anglo-Boer War, but there were many tales of Masons from opposite sides remembering their Masonic oath and saving their brethren. Going so far as to spare the temples from destruction, perhaps as a result of po political circumstances, the upsurge of Afrikanerdom and the growing campaign for a South African Republic, the striving for a South African Grand Lodge again gained momentum. The Grand Lodge of South Africa is formed. The failure of making any progress in the formation of a United Grand Lodge caused some brethren of the Netherlandic constitution to form an entirely South African Grand Lodge under the title of the South African Order of Masonry. Its first president, officers and brethren, were invested on March 13, 1952. Its formation was irregular because official procedure was not followed and consequently the four constitutions operating in South Africa forbade their members to attend the meetings of the new order.
the movement struggled on with its one lodge until the formation of the Grand Lodge of Southern Africa in 1961, when it dissolved and its 61 remaining members signed an oath of allegiance to the newly formed Grand Lodge. It is ironical that the formation of the South African Grand Lodge, after all the efforts locally, is actually attributable to events in Masonic Grand Lodges in Europe. It must be recalled that during the Nazi occupation of Europe, Freemasonry was virtually destroyed. Freemasonry in Holland ceased to exist and resulted in the South African component being on a strong footing, assisting in the reestablishing of the Grand East of the Netherlands after the war. Grand Lodges all over Europe were starting to reemerge after the war, and the problem arose over which Grand Lodges should be recognized as regular. In his endeavor to further the formation of Grand Lodges, the Grand Master of the GEN proposed to accept Grand Orients, which did not comply with ancient landmarks. The two most important being the belief in a living God and the presence of a Bible during the labors of a lodge. This resulted in grave disagreements with the Grand Lodges of England, Ireland, and Scotland, who threatened to withdraw recognition of the GEN. This would have serious effects on the GEN lodges in South Africa, who were in close cooperation with lodges under these constitutions. Furthermore, the leaders of the Netherlandic lodges were not aware of the dark clouds which were building up. When a break in the relationship between the GEN and the three Grand Lodges became imminent, the English Grand Secretary advised districts in South Africa of the situation. This caused consternation because, as already stated, there was a great measure of cooperation between the lodges of the four constitutions. Benevolent funds and temples had joint ownerships. Colonial Colin Graham Botha, who was at the time Deputy Grand Master National in South Africa, wrote a letter to the Grand Master, Most Worshipful Brother Davidson, expressing his concern. Coincidentally, the Grand Master wrote to him on the same day, advising that it would be probably better to form an independent Grand Lodge of Southern Africa. First Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of South Africa. With this seed sown, intense negotiations took place. It was just a matter of time before this Grand Lodge came into being. The three Grand Lodges initially tried to steer the negotiations in the direction of a united Grand Lodge, but on the 22nd of April 1961, the Grand Lodge of Southern Africa was formed with Colonel Colin Graham Botha as its first Grand Master. One Lodge in South Africa elected to remain with the GEN giving lie to its name, Endrak Makmag, Unity and Strength, while the seven lodges in the then Rhodesia also remained with the GEN in 1981, it was realized that the Grand Lodge would have no jurisdiction outside the boundaries of the Republic of South Africa, and with the consent of the three Grand Lodges, the name was changed to the Grand Lodge of South Africa. This brief history of the founding of the Grand Lodge of South Africa is just another example of 
how Freemasonry has been able to overcome prejudices, uh, racial divisions, differences of, of nationality, of, of customs, and of language, to be able to overcome all that and come together and find a way to work together as brothers. And another thing that was pointed out here was, uh, as they said, that in after the two great wars in Europe, Freemasonry was almost non-existent. But the embers that was lit by those first Grand Lodges were still burning in other parts of the world. And that was able to be transferred back and to reignite the passion and the love of Freemasonry throughout Europe. So this is a very interesting, exciting piece and another very good example of how Freemasonry can work across languages, continents, different races, ethnicities, nationalities to encompass and bring together the entire world. Thanks so much for joining me today. And be sure to listen next month when we talk about a paper entitled How to Combat Racism. If you enjoyed the show, please visit our website at www.ibfpodcast.com or you can email me at podcastibf at gmail.com. Also on our website, you can find a way to support the show. Until then, remember how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony.